Welcome to Destiny Spirit Church. This week's message is by our senior pastor, Donna Astern. Tonight I want to talk to you about understanding transition. How many of y'all have heard people talk about transition lately? Or you're in transition. I had an IM from a friend back in Kansas today. He said, how you doing? I said, in, trans- in transition. How about you? He said, same. <laughs> it seems to be, that seems to be the way it is. Everybody's in transition right now. You know, for at least the past year, um, every time I look at a clock, it says 11. It said 9-11, 2-11, 11 o'clock. You know, every, I, I was driving out from uh, prayer meeting Thursday night, drove out of the driveway, glanced at the dash, 9-11. Next day, I was driving down the road and and I had, was listening to a CD, and the CD stopped. It got stuck mid-sentence. I glanced at it. The track said 411. And it doesn't matter. I mean, it's like nine out of ten times, it seems, when I look at a clock for at least the past year, and probably longer than that, every time I look, I'm seeing 11, 11, 11. It doesn't matter where, what's going on. And it's not like I'm consciously trying to do this. It's just like, you know how you just walk down the hall and you glance at the clock? That's how it is. And sure enough, there's something 11 that's on there. And so, you know, when things begin to happen, we talk about parables of life. When things are happening in your life that you kind of sit up and take notice and say, what is that about? Well, understand that 11 is symbolic for transition. It's also symbolic for, for the prophetic and for revelation. And when after 9-11 happened, I thought I was just seeing 11s because we were sensitized to that date. I thought that's what it was. But then I realized I wasn't just seeing 9-11, I was seeing 2-11, 1-11, 10-11, nothing 11. It didn't matter. 11 seconds, it didn't matter. I was seeing 11 everywhere that I went. And so, you know, transition is something... You know, to me, it's just a statement of where I am, where many of us are, is in a place of transition. And every time I see 11, it just reminds me, yep, still there. Yep, still, still in that place. It's 11 till right now. I'm still <laughs> at that place of, of transition. That's where we are. And as I've been talking to a number of people, this is what I'm hearing people say all the time is, you know, I'm in transition. I don't understand what's going on in my life. I don't understand what God's doing, and I don't necessarily like what's happening. And so I want to talk to you tonight so that we can understand transition. Transition means process of change. It means change from point A to point B. And what's happening when you're in the middle of transition, what is going on through your head is, what's going on? <laughs> What? <laughs> I don't get it. This is not how it used to be. It's like, what? And that's what transition feels like. And I'm talking to people that love God. They, they're in the scriptures. They've got prophecies. They prophesy. They have dreams. And they're still going, what? <laughs> I don't get it. Would somebody explain it to me? And you go get your prophetic word that doesn't make any more sense to you than the last one did. And you're still in a place of God's being deliberately vague about lots of things. How many of y'all notice God is stingy with details? Yes. You know, he's generous about lots of things, but details is not necessarily one of them. 
you know, there are lots more things. I would love to have the, the you know, the skinny on than what he's currently providing. Um, and that's a whole other topic. I'm not going to preach on that tonight. But when we're in a place of transition, there is a good amount, a fair amount of uncertainty. Uncertainty is because you're in unfamiliar territory. You know, I haven't been in a place quite like this before. It doesn't feel very familiar, and it's not very comfortable. And I'm not exactly sure how it's going to turn out and what's going to happen next. And so that, that sense of uncertainty of being in unfamiliar territory. But transition is a time of tremendous learning. And it's also a tremendous time of unlearning. And you've got to know what you're learning and what you're unlearning in the midst of transition. Transition may be a time of reaping. It may be a time of hard lessons, of hard things that you're having to learn, to process, and to get through. And I have found that so many Christians are surprised when they find themselves in transition. And we shouldn't be surprised, but you know when we are surprised is when we don't know the ways of God. You know, the Bible says in Psalm, what is it, Psalm 103, verse 7, it says, He made known His ways to Moses and His acts to the sons of Israel. The sons of Israel, they understood the miracles that God did. They understood the law of God. They understand, you know, the obedience that God required. I mean, they understood the acts of God. But it says, but Moses understood the ways of God. And the children of Israel, they just couldn't figure out why they had to spend one more year in the wilderness. Why is it going to take one more year? But see, that's because all they knew was his acts. But Moses understood the ways of God. And when you and I are surprised by transition, it indicates that we don't know the ways of God. And one of the ways that God teaches you his ways is by sticking you in transition. Yay! <laughs> now, how you feel? Oh, great. Yay. I have learned more about God, more about the ways of God from being in transition than I have learned about it from studying the scripture. Transition opened my eyes to the scripture that was there the whole time because then the scripture began to, oh, now I get it. Oh, that's what that's talking about. Because I read over Psalm 103, he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel, and thought, I don't get that. What's that talking about? His ways to Moses, what's that? Until I went through some processes of change, some times of uncertainty, when I learned some things about God and learned some things about how he operated. And then I would go, oh, now that's how God does things. And so I've learned a lot about the ways of God. But since I am currently in transition right now, suffice to say, I don't know enough about the ways of God because I'm in the middle of experiencing a great lesson right now. And as soon as we get through with this lesson, hopefully I'll be able to tell you what it was. <laughs> Transition is necessary. It's absolutely necessary in our lives. And God has a purpose in it. You know, God's not trying to make you miserable, per se. I mean, He's not trying to be unkind or be mean to you. What He's trying to do is get you conformed to the image of Christ Jesus. And you see, you and I think that we're pretty conformed until he puts us in a situation and we begin to understand, oh, I need a little adjustment here. Not so much. I need something changed on the inside of me. Let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8. 
Because the scripture says in Romans 8, 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. There's an implication of you are one way, but you need to be pressed and pushed and changed into another way. How do we know that most people don't change on their own? They really don't, do they? Most people change when they've suffered enough. <laughs> you know, they change when it just finally they got too unpleasant to remain like the way they used to be any longer. Well, let's think about it. Think about perhaps your own conversion experience with the Lord. How'd you get there? Were you at a point of, my life sucks, I have to do something different? You know? Is it at the point of, okay, this isn't working anymore. I have to find something else that's going to do it for me. You know, there's many people have come to a place of desperation with God just because they just can't do it any other way anymore. Isn't that right? See, God's purpose in transition is that we change. And he knows how to put you and me in a situation that will bring about the desired change. Old joy, right? We think we're doing really well, and then you get in the situation and guess what? All of a sudden, it exposes to you all those areas that are not conformed to Jesus yet. You know? Not conformed. There are places where when you, when you are in a pressure situation, a time of uncertainty, a time of, I had not been here before, I don't understand what's going on, that's when you find out, i got a ways to go in some areas. Okay? Let's look at Israel um, was in transition. Israel, as you know, spent 40 years in transition. Transition is process of change, right? Now, you can study the book of Exodus. You can read out this story at length. We're certainly not going to do that tonight. But what happened was, just to re refresh your memory, was they were in Egypt, right? Israelites were in Egypt, where they were horribly oppressed for 400-odd years. After... 400 odd years where it got worse and worse and worse. And the word says they were crying out for deliverer. God sends Moses to deliver them. But you know what happened? When Moses says, here I am, I've come to deliver you. You know what? He made it worse. Because every time Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go, what did Pharaoh do? He made it worse on, their, on the Israelites' captivity. Remember before they would have to make the bricks with straw? And then Pharaoh says, well, if you got this much time on your hands, then you guys can go get your own straw, but you can't let your quota of bricks fail. And so things became harder than they had harsh taskmasters. So as God was bringing them out to a place to where one thing God was doing was getting them fed up with Egypt. And sometimes, you see, you and I have not become sufficiently fed up with the circumstance that we're in, and God is trying to make us uncomfortable enough to where we're willing to break free, put it behind us, and go through whatever's necessary for the change, all right? It's because people don't like to, people like to get into a rut and stay there. Isn't that right? That's human nature. Just, you know, get there and just stay there and life goes on until something comes that makes that place increasingly uncomfortable. So we have Moses raises up. He's talking to Pharaoh. It gets worse and worse. Here come the plagues. And now all the plagues are coming. Now the Egyptians are really angry and upset. 
and they're blaming the Israelites and it's getting worse and worse and worse for them. You know what? Sometimes you're like, you know, Moses, don't help me. <laughs> you know, I thought it was bad. Do you know that God will do that? He will bring a, he will bring somebody or something into your life. And guess what? It goes south before it gets better. But one thing God is doing is breaking the hold of your affections for Egypt. Because you know what? Those that love their chains will never be set free. And the reason that we wind up in captivity is because there's a place in us that likes it. So one thing that God often does is bring you to a point of real dissatisfaction. So after they have the, you know, the plagues and everything happens, so finally Pharaoh says, get out, and tells them all to leave. Now you can imagine what was happening. Oh, good. Our deliverance has finally come. Glory. Hallelujah. We're out of here. And spoiled the Egyptians on the way out. And loaded down with all the Egyptians' riches. And all right, here we go. We're going. We're going. We're... What's that behind us? Here comes Pharaoh's army. God, I thought you were setting us free from those guys. Guess what? Here they come to the Red Sea. They can't go forward. They can't go back. Looks like disaster. You know what? They thought getting out of Pharaoh's hand was going to be walking apart. We're going to get done because God set me free. Hallelujah. And we're going to just be free and go on with this. Do you know what? It was not a walking apart for them. So finally they get past the event with the Red Sea. And they're like, okay, Pharaoh's no problem anymore. Next thing you know, they're hungry. They're thirsty. Next thing you know... It's an 11 days journey from here to promised land. They figured by the end of the month, they'd be in there setting up, receiving the promises of God. Come on, don't you know that's the way people think? Yeah. Okay, inside of two weeks, I'm going to be there. It's going to be there. But you know what? Moses, being directed by God, said, these people ain't ready to move into their own place. I know they think they're ready. I know that this is their promise, but they ain't ready. So we're going to take a detour, boys. And they take a detour for 40 years. I'm here to tell you, that had to be discouraging. But let's look here at chapter 8, verse 1. It says, All the commandments that I'm commanding you today, you should be careful to do, that you may live and multiply, and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Put your finger right there. And have you not noticed that sometimes people, they get, they come to the Lord because they're like, okay, then God's going to supply my needs. He's going to heal my body, fix my relationships, pay my bills. Everything's going to be hunky-dory just fine. All I had to do was just come to Jesus and everything's hunky-dory after that. God knows that you need to know some things. Number one is he's not a slot machine. I mean, he's not a vending machine. You don't send up your prayer, and he just releases to you, and there's no relationship involved. There's no change in your life. I mean, God is good, but God's not after you treating him like a vending machine. 
I mean, nobody wants to be used, right? Being used is no fun. And God doesn't want to feel like that. So what is he doing with Israel? He's letting them go through some things because he's testing their allegiance. He wants to know if they're still going to love him and worship him and obey him, even if they are uncomfortable. Folks, we need to understand this is the way of God. All, all Israel knows, knew was, I don't like it. This ain't how I thought it was going to be. What would you drag me out here in the wilderness for anyway? And at one point, they say to Moses, what would you do, bring us out here to kill us? And God's like, well, now that you mentioned it. <laughs> well, you know, because God was out to break things off of them. And in their case, all the adults, they just had to die because they wouldn't break. They would not get the deliverance that God wanted them to have. So, they just, so the younger generation just had to wait for them to die off. You know, God wanted to bring all of them in. But they would not learn and would not do it his way. So finally he's like, you know, you guys, you're just going to have to just wait and die. But I'm going to bring your kids in because I will keep my word. And your kids will know my ways and they'll do it my way. And I'm going to fulfill my word to your kids. But you guys, because you would not believe me, because you rebelled and you resisted everything, I'm done. Okay. Now let's go back here. Verse 4. Your clothing did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. Thus you are to know in your heart that the Lord your God was disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son. Therefore you shall keep the commands of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing forth in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you will eat food without scarcity, in which you will not lack anything, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Notice here that what God is saying in this passage is that there was a reason he took them through 40 years in the wilderness. He was testing them. He was wanting them to learn his ways. There were things that had to be changed on them. He brought them out of Egypt, but they had to have Egypt broken off of them. When they spent 400 plus years in Egypt, they saw themselves as slaves, as an oppressed people. And they did not know anything except slavery and oppression. And so God wanted to bring them out to be a sovereign nation under his lordship, under his rule. And so there had to be radical changes in how the people saw themselves and in how they related to one another and how they related to God. Do you know? I mean, God had to give the law to Moses because before them... People just did whatever. You know, it wasn't sin because there was no law. So they had six or seven, you know, adulterous affairs. Well, you know, it just seemed to be the thing to do until the law came and said, thou shalt not, you know. And you see, there were things that they had to learn and things had to be changed. They needed to be conformed to the image of sonship that the Lord had for them. All right. Transition. The process of change is when the old is removed. While they spent 400, uh, well, excuse me, while they spent 400 years as a slave, they had developed certain mentalities, certain ways relating to authority. They picked up the pagan customs of the people around them and the pagan um, influences of the culture. They, 
they were not, uh, they had completely been prevented from worship in the way that God had prescribed in the word. And so they were out of touch with even God's ways about what was proper worship. All those things had been removed from them. So they had to come out of Egypt and they had to have 40 years of overhaul, of transformation. And it was going to come not only through the word that Moses was bringing to them, not only through the miracles that they experienced, but also through the changing events and circumstances that they walked through. You know, if it could have been done in 11 days, it would have been. But it didn't take 11 days. It took 40 years because God knew something they didn't know. These people had to have a new understanding and a new self-image. There are sometimes, folks, God brings you and me through difficult situations because he is breaking our former image of who we thought we were. You know, maybe you thought that you were nobody, that you had nothing to bring to the table, that you, or maybe you were the extreme. Maybe you thought you were all that, and you thought everybody, you know, you were God's gift, whatever. God brings you through situations to do an adjustment, doesn't he? Anybody ever been adjusted besides me? Yes? Had your self-image adjusted? Yes. Okay? Because God brings you into situations. You know, the Bible says that we, that we need to, um, we need to, oh, I can't paraphrase it right, but to, to um, with humility to see ourselves and to have a sober judgment of ourselves, our abilities, our shortcomings, or whatever. See, I pretty much know what my shortcomings are. You know, after a while, you learn. You're supposed to. And how do you learn what your shortcomings are? You go through some stuff, right? You don't find out your shortcomings when you don't go through anything. You have a couple of failures under your belt. Okay, okay. <laughs> You know, you lose it a few times. Okay, I understand. So many people that are surprised at the pain of transition because they think that, well, here it is, that God has given me this tremendous promise, and so I'm at point A, but God has promised me, you know, this wonderful thing down here at point Z. Well, guess what? you got B, C, D, E. You've got steps to go through to get you all the, way, all the way to point Z. And so a lot of times when we are being led by the Spirit of God from the place of having had a promise into the place of the fulfillment of that promise, we are surprised at the pain involved. The Israelites were surprised it was going to take 40 years and it was not going to be a walk in the park. They were surprised, they were appalled at the treatment that they endured during 40 years. An 11-day journey took 40 years. While they're out there, they're having trouble finding food, they're having trouble finding water, and then they start complaining because they didn't like the food. They said, what's this stuff? That's what manna means, what's it? Manna means, what's it? You know, that's how kangaroo got it. You know what kangaroo means? It means, what's that? Because, the, yeah, the English guys were asking the natives and saying, what's that? And he goes, kangaroo, which means, what's that? And he didn't know that that's what he meant. Well, anyway, manna. <laughs> so, but manna means, what's it? What's that stuff? You know, what is it? Well, it means we're having some of this I don't know stuff. I don't know. That's what it is. So they got bored with eating, I don't know, for three meals a day, you know, for seven days a week, they got bored eating that. And after a while, they're like, man, I miss the leeks. I miss the onions. I miss the watermelons. Boy, didn't we eat good in Egypt. Yeah, eat good in Egypt. Yeah, whatever the slave masters let you eat, maybe you ate good for a little bit. You forgot you guys were starving and beaten and all that kind of stuff in Egypt. 
But you know, then when they're out there struggling with food, trying to find food and water, they're also struggling with enemy raids. Now in Egypt, the only enemy they had was the taskmaster with the whip, with ordering them to do stuff. Now they're out here in the wilderness, and here comes, you know, a warring tribe coming through and attacking them. And like, well, we hadn't had to do that before. You know, they did not know warfare. They didn't know how to fight because if they fought under Egypt, they would be executed, right? They didn't understand anything. They had no training in warfare. So while they're out there in this place of transition, it's a lot of place of pain and struggle and difficulty, they started missing their old life. You know what, folks? The same thing happens to you and me. We start on our way to the fulfillment of our prophetic words. And then it gets tough. It becomes a challenge. God starts dealing with us about stuff. After a while, like, you know what? It wasn't this hard when I was a Baptist. It wasn't this hard before I had a word. You know, I'm telling you, this is how I thought. I thought, you know, my life got complicated when I started hanging around these people, <laughs> you know, <laughs> before I knew about stuff. I mean, okay, now we really got trouble. I mean, I thought I was, you know, had challenges until I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. How many of you know getting baptized in the Holy Spirit puts you on the front lines? And all of a sudden, any wandering, passing by demon says, oh, let's get engaged in warfare, you know. And you're just like, man, my life wasn't so complicated back in, you know, previous time. So Israel started missing the old flavors, the old life. During this time of transition, they started blaming each other. They started blaming Moses. They started blaming God because it ain't supposed to be like that. You said we're supposed to come out here and come to the promised land. I ain't seen no promised land. All I've seen out here is we're eating this manna all the time. We're out here wandering one more time around this mountain. I mean, whining. Do you know anybody that does that? Just whine and complain and just miserable. You know, God's trying to break something off of you. God's trying to get you to fulfill your destiny and calling, but in the meantime, you're whining and complaining and all that kind of stuff. You see, remember, God's looking to see if you're going to be obedient. Well, you know, let me tell you something. It's easy to obey when you agree. Isn't that right? When you agree, it's really easy to obey. It's when you don't agree that it becomes a challenge to obey. And by the way, you cannot say you are loyal until you've been tested with disloyalty. Lots of people think they're loyal. That's because they ain't never had to, you know, they've always agreed 100% with this other person. It's wait, it's wait until you have a falling out, wait until you have a disagreement. That's when your loyalty is proven. There are people I can say I'm loyal to because we've been through a thing or two. And we came through it and we still love each other, still friends, you know. That's loyalty. Every married couple knows this. <laughs> you go through some stuff and you prove your loyalty because you stick it out. Isn't that right? Anybody can say you're loyal on the, on the first day. I mean, please. Let's wait till the honeymoon's over. Let's wait until there's not enough money. Let's wait until the toilet seat has been left up again. <laughs> or whatever. So Israel goes through this time of bitter complaining against their leadership. They had uprisings that came up. They decided they didn't like the way Moses was taking them, didn't like the way Aaron was doing stuff, so we'll just do things our own self. I got a better plan. I don't know who he thinks he is anyway. And even Miriam rose up, remember the prophetess of the Lord, and she was Moses' older sister. My baby brother has lost it. I don't know who he thinks he is, but I used to change his diapers. You know, she got an attitude. She's like, I hear from God too. 
course, God heard her say that. <laughs> you know, God does hear those things. But in the wilderness, rebellion was crushed over and over. Complaining was dealt with. People died for complaining in the wilderness because God is trying to break that off of these people. He also required that they had to learn some things about worship. He instituted the Ten Commandments. He instituted the Sabbath rest. They weren't used to having the day off. They were used to working seven days a week. You know that? And Moses started telling them, no, you've got to have a day off. And that means you don't even go out and pick up your manna. You've got to get that on the day before. You don't, you don't work on your Sabbath. And they're like, why ain't nobody going to tell me what to do? You know, people were stoned for breaking the Sabbath because God said, you're going to learn a new way of obedience. There was the sacrifices that they had to learn. They had to construct the tabernacle. There were certain protocol rules about giving for establish the protocol, you know, tear it down, set it up, who's going to be the priesthood. All these kinds of things were rules, and everybody had to learn because God was breaking Egypt off of them, and he was creating an identity in them as his chosen people, as his nation. And so he installed the priesthood. Everything was unique. He gave them new holidays. The whole, the whole transformation was breaking Egypt and bringing into Israel their identity. And at the same time, he taught them warfare. They had to learn. The Lord left some of their enemies in the land to teach them how to fight, to teach them how to work together and to overcome. To get to the prophetic fulfillment, the promised land, means that there's going to have to be a removal of hindering mindsets. There are mindsets that God is right now deliberately working to break off of you and me so that we can go ahead and get into the fulfillment of the thing we've been crying out for. And sometimes what happens is we've been crying out, Oh God, you gave me that word. You told me. You promised me. You were going to do this thing in my life, blah, blah, blah. And so what has happened is everything goes south and gets worse because God says we have to break some things to get you there because you think you're ready to walk in it, but you're not ready for it. So I'm going to have, the more you cry out for your word to be fulfilled, the more you are releasing the power of God that is breaking strongholds. The problem is you're still attached to some of those strongholds. And when they break, that isn't any fun. Do you know that the Lord says he is to be our stronghold? And what God is working to teach us is the same thing he's working to teach Israel, that he is our hope, that our trust is not in man, our trust is not in systems, it's not in things, our trust is in him. And if you or I, you need to understand this, if we're too attached to an Egyptian system, if we're too attached to something else other than him, he will bring a situation to where we have to choose. And maybe that system will not work for us anymore. What happened was after 40 years, God had done a transformation and brought a group of people that were no longer slaves brought them into, now they were warriors. You understand that Israel, even today, is a deadly army. I mean, they have a reputation for being absolutely deadly, don't they? Right? Okay. From slaves to warriors to a sovereign nation. And that's what he was doing with the Israelites. Now, I want you to look at another incident of transition in John chapter 6. Transition is a process of change. 
We can study the Bible teaches us that these things were written for our instruction. And so if we will read them in the scripture and understand them, we can get application that's going to make sense to you so that when you're looking at your life and how come your word's not coming to pass, how come the promises aren't happening, how come the only thing going on is life is getting worse and harder is because you could read this and go, okay, God, you're up to something here. He is faithful who promised. But he's getting you and me ready so that we can walk into that place of promise as sons of the kingdom. John chapter 6, verse 16. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. And after getting in a boat, they started to cross the sea to Capernaum. It had already become dark. Notice that. It's already dark, and Jesus has not yet come to them. The sea began to be stirred up because a strong wind was blowing. Now we understand that these guys were fishermen by trade and they knew the Sea of Galilee very well. The Sea of Galilee was something they fished in regularly. They were very familiar with with, um, not only the sea but how the weather patterns and everything that had to do with that. And so it's already dark and they've got to cross to the other side and now the wind is coming and now it's becoming a challenge. And Jesus is nowhere to be seen. He sends them somewhere, but then they don't see him anymore. This happens to you and me. We're obedient because the Lord instructs us to take a course of action, to make a decision, a choice, whatever. We launch out and we do the very thing that God has instructed us to. And then where is he? He's not talking to me. I can't see him. Are you sure I'm on the right path? What is going on here? Don't tell me you don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. All right? <laughs> yeah, this is, this is where I've been living, okay? It's like, okay, where'd you go? Where'd you go? So, he's nowhere to be seen, and trouble has started. The wind is blowing. The sea is getting all stirred up. Now, then it says in, in number verse 19, Then when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and draw near to the boat, and they were frightened. Three or four miles. The Sea of Galilee was six to eight miles across. Now, remember, they've been rowing since sometime after dark. And these are guys that know how to row. They know how to get the boat from here to there. So they've only gone three or four miles. This means they are smack dab in the middle of the sea in a storm. You know, they're too far from shore to have, you know, you can't just call out and somebody, you know, throw your line. You're three or four miles out there. And they have been rowing. Matthew, uh, Matthew's version of this story says that when Jesus appeared, it was during the fourth watch. That is six o'clock in the morning. So it was dark at night when they decided to cross all night long as far as they got was three or four miles out in the middle of the sea because of the wind. You know, the wind is contrary to them. That's how come they couldn't get anywhere. Now, I don't know if you've ever been on the sea trying to do anything like row a boat or trying to handle a sailboat or anything like that. When the wind is contrary, I haven't done it, but I can imagine that's no walk in the park either. I imagine that's really strenuous and difficult to have to do. 
And so as they're doing this all night long, where is Jesus? He told us to go over there. I ain't seen him nowhere. All I know is my back aches, my shoulder aches. This is hard. And here we are out in the middle of the sea. And if something don't happen, if we get exhausted, we're liable to drown. How many think that's a real possible scenario that could have happened there? All right. So then they are rowing their boat, and they're really hard. They're trying not to capsize because of the contrary wind and waves, and they're trying to stay on course. They're just trying to do what God told them to do. How many of you notice that? You're just trying to obey God. You're not trying to create trouble. You're just trying to obey God. That's all. Mind your own business, trying to obey God, and all hell breaks loose. And where is the Lord? You ain't talking to me. I can't see you. What? How many of you know this is called transition? That's when you're going, what is going on? I relate to this story. Okay. So then here Jesus comes. Nobody's expecting him to come walking. And so he's been walking for three or four miles to get to where they are. That kind of paints a good picture too, doesn't it? He's been on his way for three or four miles. When they were crying out and upset was not when he started. He'd been, out, he'd been coming out to them for quite some time. How long does it take to walk three or four miles? I don't know. How long does it take? Okay. Three or four miles? That's running or walking? That's walking? Okay. So he's probably walking half hour, roughly, all right, to get there to him. And he is, is an unexpected appearance. I mean, nobody's really expecting to see this. So then, of course, they're already stressed, and now they're freaked out because now they think they're all hallucinating or going to die or something like that. And verse 20, he says to them, It is I, do not be afraid. How many times you notice that that's what Jesus often says is don't be afraid. Verse 21, So they were willing to receive him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Immediately, folks, he shows up and their boat has transversed three or four miles like that. Their boat was translated. The, the storm was driving them to their destination. They were making better time than they thought they were. The storm was pushing them forward. You understand that when you and I are in a place of transition, it's very intense, it's very challenging, it's difficult, but if we will cooperate with that, it will get us there faster. You know, we could spend 40 years wandering around, not getting it, not getting it, not getting it for 40 years, or maybe we could get there overnight. I'd vote for overnight. But you know what? Overnight is going to be challenging because it's going to require a right response to get there overnight. But the, but the point is, Jesus showed up and they got to where they were going. You know, the Bible teaches us that God has given us the natural world also to teach us things about him. We can look into the heavens. We can look into, you know, study the ant, thou sluggard. All these things in the scripture about you can look at nature and you can also understand the ways of God. So another form of transition, you've got 40 years from the Israelites going from point A, point B, whatever. You've got the ship crossing in the middle of the storm. And the third point of transition I want to talk to you about is in childbirth. In childbirth. In childbirth you have the promise, and let's make this a spiritual allegory. How many of you have got prophecies that have not yet manifested? You've got prophetic word that just hasn't happened yet. 
So you are pregnant with a word that has not yet been revealed. It's not yet happened. The seed has been planted on the inside of you, but you're not seeing it happen yet. You just know you're in a place of preparation for it to happen. How many of you have got any kind of prophecy about prosperity or new ministries, new blessings, God going to do a new thing in you? How many of you got prophecies like that? New stuff, right? Guess what? You must go through transition. There is no birth without transition. And if God has promised you something new, folks, if we knew the ways of God, we would have perked up and said, okay, if I'm going to have me a new ministry baby or a new prosperity business or a new anything, that means I want to have to go through a time of transition from preparation, transition to manifestation. Then we wouldn't freak out when we got in the middle of transition. So everybody who's got... Yet to be fulfilled, God has promised you prosperity, blessing, business, ministry, increase. Whatever it is that he has promised you that is new and has not been seen yet, you're going to have to go through transition to get there. All right, transition. The promise and the preparation in childbirth leads to transition. Who enters into transition, naturally speaking? A woman who is nine months pregnant enters into labor and into transition. She doesn't go into transition when she first gets the seed or the prophetic word. She doesn't go into it three months later. She goes into it when labor has begun, and then after a stage or two comes, then she goes to a place of transition. So there is nine months, a long period of time of anticipation prior to the thing being manifest. And before it's going to manifest, you're going to have several hours of labor. It could be, you know, 5 hours, 10 hours, 25 hours, 30 hours, but there's going to be several hours of labor that follow the anticipation and the preparation period. So while you and I have got our prophetic words and we are confessing them and we're believing them and we're saying, yes, God, it'll be as you have said. I believe it. I believe it. Thank you, God. It's mine. I claim it in Jesus' name. I claim it. And you start getting transformed. And you start getting changed by the Spirit of God and the Word of God. And your heart begins to expand. You begin to visualize and see how it's going to be when this manifests and faith is growing. You're making your declarations. And you are growing that seed. And you're getting big and fat and pregnant. And it's growing and growing and growing. And then what happens? Then you go into labor. Labor is stressful. It is stressful for the mother and it is stressful for the baby. It's hard. There's a reason they call it labor. Early labor is manageable. During early labor... There's this attitude of, yippee, we're in labor. Yippee, today's the day. It's going to happen today. All right, call everybody. I'm on my way to the hospital. Let the doctor know. Woohoo, it's going to be today. That's early labor. <laughs> All right, that goes on for a little while. But as you enter into that stage of excitement that it looks like it's going to happen, now's the time. It's going to manifest what God has promised. I know that now's the time. Things are starting to come together. It's looking good. And then what happens? Labor intensifies. It gets harder. It gets more challenging. It gets more difficult. 
the discomfort starts to build. And after a while, it's no more, yippee, we're in labor. After a while, it's like, this is hard work. And not only that, but this hurts. And then it becomes, they didn't tell me it hurt this much. I can't believe it hurts this much. This is hard. Give me drugs. Who told me? Nobody told me this. <laughs> and this is what happens is to us spiritually, is we're getting there. We're getting so close. And then you're like, God, I didn't know it was going to be this hard. I didn't know I was going to have this much pain and disappointment and frustration. I didn't know it was going to be such a demand. I don't. And then you enter into the stage called transition. Transition is the shortest stage of labor, but it's the stage of labor in which the cervix expands and you're, it is the last stage before delivery, before you can push out. During transition, it is a very, very intense time, but it is also very short. In transition, the good news is it's almost over. The bad news is it ain't over yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a woman in transition, the way that her coach or the medical staff can tell she's in transition is because of how she behaves differently. Because prior to this, she was still pretty much in control. Even she took her childbirth classes and did her breathing, she's still pretty much in control. Okay, we got it. Okay, we, it, we can get it. We can handle it. We can handle it. Transition, she's like, I'm done with this. I am going home. I don't think I can do this anymore. I can't deal with this. I want to give up. I'm going home. I remember telling my doctor, I am done with this. I'm leaving. I'm going home. Now, it's ridiculous, but you know, that is an actual sign of transition is when the mother says, I ain't doing this anymore. It was fun while it lasted, but I'm finished. I'm going home. I'll come back tomorrow. I told the doctor that. I'll come back tomorrow and finish. I'm not doing this now. <laughs> That's really crazy, but that is actual, that is a classic statement of a woman in transition, and it's classic for believers. When you're in that place of you finally go, I cannot do this anymore. God, I have stood in faith. I have believed. The pressure has been incredible. I just, I can't, I'm going to quit. I can't handle the pressure anymore. That's transition. That's transition. In a period of transition, nothing makes you comfortable. Nothing works. And then you get irritated with everybody that tries to comfort you. And, and whatever used to comfort you, it just irritates you. And you want to get out of my face and leave me alone. And don't tell me to have faith. And don't tell me to worship the Lord. And don't tell me to just pray. And don't tell me. That's somebody in transition, folks. It's when you're like, I don't want to hear that anymore. I don't want to go there anymore. I'm tired. I'm uncomfortable. I'm miserable. And I don't think it's going to work anyway, folks. Classic transition. This is the shortest period of labor. During the time of transition, the woman feels out of control. This has overtaken me. I can't get on top of my breathing anymore. You know, you people just don't understand. You're all being mean to me. You, you know, and she's mad. And, and many times she goes to her husband, you did this to me. And it's blaming is accusation. Where's my nurse? 
Where's this? Because she's in such discomfort. She's, you know, whatever's in there is coming. She will lash out. And spiritually speaking, we do the same thing. Don't give me no prophetic words. I ain't going to see the pastor. I know what they're going to tell me. They're going to tell me, same old, same old. You know, and there's that same bad attitude that comes out. We're in spiritual transition as well and feeling out of control and nothing's working. It's a time of intense struggle. It's a time of feeling weak. You know, you might have thought you were, you know, superstar, Mr. Faith Man before, but at this point, you're like, just get me out of here and put me out of my misery. I ain't telling nobody about anything again. Forgive me for ever trying to launch out. It was like there was a feeling of complete weakness, and you just want out, and you feel, I just, I'm just lost. I don't know what I ever got into this stuff for anyway. Who did I think I was that God was going to do this for me? I must have been crazy. What did I get myself into? It's a feeling of being lost. Transition is immediately followed by it's time to push. It's time to push comes after transition. When you're in transition, you're just so miserable. You're just like, just get me some relief. I don't care who's here, who can help me, just get me out. But then it's followed by, okay, it's time to push. And what's the purpose of transition? It's to get you from pregnancy. It's to get you from the place of having the prophetic word, of having the dream, of having the hope. It's getting you into a, that place of where I watered it with my faith. I made declaration. I stood. I believed God. I nurtured the, the prophetic word. You got in there and you anticipated. It's to get you through the childbirth of separation to where there is a shifting and a changing that's happening on the inside of you. You'll never be the same after transition. You can't be the same. You can't go back to how it used to be. And then the end result is that new business, that new prosperity, that new ministry, that new thing is finally here and breathing on its own. That's the end result. You just don't think you're actually going to get there. You think you're going to die before it happens. It's too hard. It's not worth it. You know what Jesus said in John 16? Whenever a woman's in labor, she has pain because her hours come. But when she gives birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy that the child has been born to the world. Therefore, you too have grief now. But I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and no one will take your joy away from you. You might be going through hell a mile right now, and just like, I just soon give up because it's not working. You know, God is working to break something off of you. He's working to forge something on the inside of you. The end result is, when you have the fulfillment of your prophetic word, there's going to be joy. You're going to be so happy. When that thing manifests, you're going to be up and down shouting, glory to God. But right now, the shouting ain't here yet. Because <laughs> right now, it just hurts. It's just hard. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, last scripture. So Israel got through, many of them did, many of them did not. The children got through, 40 years of transition, 40 years of pressure, learning God's ways, having Egypt and Egypt thinking broken off of them, slave thinking broken off of them. The disciples got through transition of pressure, of, of struggle, of things feeling abandoned and things getting difficult and dark and uncertain. And they got through. The storm got them to their ending place. And in childbirth, 
all the pain, all the pressure, all the difficulty, get at the end of it, it's worth it. So understanding transition, folks, how are we going to get through it? We've said that we're in transition. I'm in transition. I'm in transition. I think many people in the body of Christ are in transition right now. It's in that place of what's going on. I don't get it. I don't like where I am. This is no fun. I don't, things aren't making sense to me. God's not saying anything to me. I can't hear. I can't understand. All I know is I thought it was going to be easier than this. I thought it was going to be faster. I thought it was going to be different. Anybody relate to this? All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. For God who said, Light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly, constantly, constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake. So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Verse 12, so death works in us, but life in you. But having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe Therefore I spoke, we also believe, and therefore we speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. That's somebody going through transition. That's somebody going through hard time, just trying to obey God, just trying to move forward. Folks, getting through transition, understand there's going to be some times you're not going to feel good. There's going to be some times it's going to be painful. It's going to be difficult. But we are to hold fast in faith to what we have believed. I believe, therefore I have spoken. I believe, therefore I have spoken. And, just, and even to the point of if you get like Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. There has got to be the spirit of faith that comes out and says, come hell or high water, I'm going to hold fast and I'm going to get through one way or another. But as we're going to get through one way or another, God is going to be breaking limita limitations off of us, restrictions off of us. He's breaking off mindsets, obstacles. There are some things that we are holding on to dearly that are not good for us, and God will put us in a situation to force a breaking. He will. Because you can't enter into the new thing with this old thing hang on to your life. You know, we've got to be willing to let go of whatever he is putting the pressure on that says these things need to change and go. Some things you can't carry into the new season. So to get through transition, since that's where we are, and we don't have all the answers we'd love to have, things are more painful, more challenging, more difficult than we'd like for them to be, all right? You need to understand that God is not malicious. 
He's not just trying to be miserable, make you miserable and be mean to you. He's after something. What's he after? That you are conformed to the image of Christ Jesus. That's what he's after. So he's looking to you and he's wanting to see what's about you that needs perfecting, that needs changing, that needs adjusting. And that the question for you and for me is, what are you learning? What are you learning in the midst of this thing, in the midst of this difficulty? There's something you're supposed to be getting. When you get your lesson, you'll be out of transition when you get it. You know, you can lengthen or you can shorten certain things. When you, un, when you have learned, God knows how to tailor make it for each one of us so we'll get the message. When you get the message and you have responded properly, you'll be released and you'll go into the next place. And it may be that just like Israelites, God's letting you go hungry for a little bit. He's letting you get hungry for a little bit, letting you get a little comfortable for a little bit to find out if you're still going to obey Him, if you're still going to trust Him, even if it's not working as well as you thought it was supposed to be working. So learn from the reproofs of life. What are you learning right now? Are you learning obedience? You know, the Bible says that Jesus learned obedience through what? The things that he suffered, he learned obedience. You know, it's easy to obey when things are not costing you anything. But there's a, sometimes there's a high price tag and God's after a sacrifice from you and from me of obedience. Will you obey even though? Even though, even though, it's not going how you thought. It's challenging. Will you obey? Will you obey? Will you obey? So are you learning obedience? Are you learning humility? You know, some of us, we've been so self-sufficient, we have to be broken to understand, I ain't got nothing to offer. I went through a period of time about 25 years ago. The Lord dealt with me and did a deep breaking deep inside of me. And the feeling that I had at that point was, I couldn't do, I couldn't, spiritually speaking, wash dishes. I felt so inadequate for everything. I felt that all of my previous strengths, talents, gifts, abilities, everything had vanished. They had disappeared. And I felt I had nothing to offer a living soul. And it was a place to where I knew that if God didn't anoint me, if he didn't give me something, we were just going to sit there and have nothing. Because I was at a place of, I can't do this without you. And it was a deliberate lesson that God brought me through. And maybe that's what he's teaching some of you tonight. He's bringing you to the point to where you're no longer confident in your training, in your background, in your skills, in your talents, in your connections, in your money. He's training you to not be dependent upon anything except him. That's a hard thing to have to learn. But Israel had to learn it too, right? They were fed by the hand of God. If he didn't expand his hand, they didn't eat, right? And there are sometimes God is wanting us to have that same lesson, our dependency be upon him. Are you learning humility? What is being broken off of you? Is fear being broken? I, I talked to someone recently who went through tremendous transition, tremendous difficulty. But what happened is they quit being afraid. They're like, what can man do to me? What can happen now? You know, some people are brought to the edge of bankruptcy, so they'll quit being afraid of it. And I talk, and I talk to people, and they say, it's like, it's a house, and that's all it is. It's a house. It is just a house. I'll pick up and pick, go on another day. You know, the fear was being broken. 
Sometimes that's why people are struggling for such a long time is because they won't give up the fear. And God's wanting to break the fear. What else is God maybe breaking? Maybe he's breaking pride. Maybe he's breaking self-centeredness. Maybe you don't need anybody. And God wants to change that. Maybe you're so together and so sufficient that God says, no, I'm going to put you in a position where you need people. And then that humbles your pride because now you have to let people know you need them. That isn't any fun. But that's a place where sometimes God has us. Maybe God is breaking passivity off of you. Maybe what he's doing is getting you where you're fed up and you're not going to take it anymore and you stir yourself up and say, you know what, I'm going to believe God and do what the scripture says and get rid of passivity. What is being shaken? Maybe your confidence in yourself is being shaken. Maybe you have had too high of an opinion of yourself that has to be adjusted and God's bringing change. What mindsets are being changed? Maybe God's dealing with your motivation. God's promised you this great and glorious thing, and then he starts dealing with you about, why do you want that? Why do you want that? How's it going to change you when I give it to you? Or, say I never give it to you. You still going to love me? God taught me that lesson before. That's Isaac on the altar lesson. The very thing God gives you, God says, give it back. Give it back. I want to kill it on the altar. And I was like, you want me to give you, let go of the thing you have given me? You know what? That hurt. And the Lord said, do you love me or you love it? And there are sometimes there is sacrifice that God is asking. Will you give up the position, give up the title, give up the prestige, give up whatever it is? Those are hard lessons. But see, the Lord wants to be your only hope. And he wants to be your first love. And so he wants you to experience the fulfillment of your prophetic word and every promise he's made to you. But you can't get there like this, not in this condition. You have to be changed in order for him to be glorified when you get it. So he's going to fix a fix for you and for me. So I'm in the middle of my fix right now. I believe I'm coming to the end of it. And as I have been in it, the thing that I have been asking, like you, is what's going on? But also, okay, God, what can I learn? What is it that you're trying to change about me, about my perspective? What is it that needs adjustment? You know, we've been hearing God talk about change is coming, change, change, change. I mean, I've heard for years, the church is going to change, change, change. And we all go, oh, yeah, God, change those guys. <laughs> you know, and I was, I was visiting a church, and the pastor's up there, and he's talking about how all this change is coming to his church. All this change is coming to church. I'm thinking, do you know what you're saying? Because the first person to change is the pastor. That's the first one to change. So it's not that the pastor gets to preach change to everybody else gets to experience change as well. And if, if we want to be change agents, we must first of all have been changed. So wherever we are right now, it's not sufficient. It's not good enough. Where we are right now has got us a certain level of comfort, a certain level of prosperity, blessing, whatever. It ain't good enough, is it? Not according to your prophetic words, not according to your dreams. You got something else that you're going, wanting to go after. 
and God is desperately trying to bring you and me there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what's the end result? The end result of getting through transition is two things. Seek the Lord and seek the comfort of the scriptures. When you can read through other people in the Bible who've gone through transition and difficulty and see how God came and brought them through. When you seek the Lord, God, what are you doing in my life? Help me understand. Help me cooperate. I've, I've said, God, help me get my lessons right the first time. I don't want to take 40 trips around a mountain. I want to get it the first time, you know. Sometimes we're not too quick about this. Some people, I mean, some people learn things the hard way. I mean, there's a hard way to learn. There's an easy way to learn. I prefer the easy way, which means, you know, I want to be quick enough, sensitive enough, alert enough to understand what you're requiring of me, how I need to adjust so I can cooperate and let's get through this thing. Let's pray. Well, God, we don't like being in transition. But we can see that from the scripture and from natural life, that this is a necessary thing. Lord, we want to be people like Moses who know your ways. Not just the people satisfied to see your acts. And I really feel that is such a key thing that God is doing. I feel that, I, I feel like that, some of us have been saying, God, you promised this, or you did this in the word, or you did this for so-and-so. You came through for this person, and where's mine? Where's mine? And it's like you're looking for acts. You're looking for God's demonstration, but God is wanting to teach you something about himself and something about yourself in the midst. Father, I ask, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would find us to be pliable and soft and teachable. That, Lord God, that you would give us the grace to get it, to understand what you're doing, to understand what you're requiring of us so that we can cooperate with you. And, Father, I ask a blessing upon these people. God, I ask you to send comfort for everybody who's hurting, who's in that place of transition of I can't do this anymore, I want to quit. For everybody who has been stubbornly holding on to something you're desperately trying to get them to let go of. Father, I ask, Lord God, that you give us the wisdom and the grace to know how to properly respond in our season of transition. That you may be glorified and that we may understand that, Lord God, you're our only hope. And Father, I also pray, I ask for your mercies because when, when David had sinned, and the word of the Lord came to him and offered him three cho a choice from between three consequences. There could be plague. There could be the enemies, uh, you know, not be defeated in front of them. There was, there was three things. And David said, God, let me fall into the hand, hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great. Do not let me fall into the hands of man. And Father, I pray that over us right now. That God, there may be some people right now who are holding our future in their hands. There may be some people right now that they could give the word and things could go well or they could not go well with us right now. But Father, I pray that we would fall into your hands because your mercies are great. And do not let us fall into the hands of man. 
Oh, God, don't let us fall into the hands of man. We want to learn from your hand. We want to learn from your instruction, Lord God. Give us grace to get it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Lord, encourage and comfort your people, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you know, a couple of comforting phrases from the Bible. It came to pass. It came to pass. Your current stage of transition is meant for you to go through, not to spend the rest of your life living in. You may feel like you've been in there half eternity, but God's intent is that you go through the valley of the shadow of death to a place of His provision, His blessing. Amen? Amen. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Destiny Spirit Church or additional teaching CDs or training events, please visit our website at www.destinyspirit.com or you can write to us at Destiny Spirit Church, P.O. Box 15252, Chesapeake, Virginia 23328. Thank you.